Welcome to the teaching ministry of Temple Baptist Church. While we hope you can join us in person, our prayer is that this message will encourage you to love God and serve Him in a deeper way. Well, good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us on this cold weekend, this snowy-filled Sunday morning. There's something um, electrifying when we come together on, on Sunday morning, and so glad that you've chosen to be here uh, and be a part of all that's happening here. These are exciting days at Temple. You know, God is on the move here. It really is amazing to see all that's happening. And if you're here for the first time, you are our guest and we just wanna make you feel very, very welcome. One of the things that I feel that makes people feel welcome is letting them know right off the bat what we're all about. No false pretenses. And I wanna let you know that the main thing that we do around here is connecting people to Jesus and to one another. We get hyped (laughs) up. We get pumped up. We get fired up when we have an opportunity to connect people to Jesus. There's no relationship like it. We also believe living in community is awesome. It's part of our mission, connecting people to one another. Life is fuller, it's richer, it's much more engaging when we do life with others. So that's it in a nutshell, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. Now, as we get started this morning, I want to give a shout out for those who are watching us online this morning. No matter where you're watching from in the world, we're glad to have you join us uh, this morning. Uh, I wasn't at the event, but I heard that it was an amazing event on Friday night. I want to say thank you for all those who helped put that together. Like 300 ladies came together uh, for Cafe Connect. Uh, I saw some of the decorations, they were incredible, so thank you for all the work that you went into that. Well, here we are, four weeks into our series, Worst Advice Ever, and if this is your first time with us, actually the congregation helped kind of shaped this this series, because I had asked people to fill out these cards, share with us some of the worst advice you've ever received in your life, and and some of you were so honest, It it was great. And after we collated them all, we found that they really fell into three categories. Worst advice ever about finances, worst advice ever about relationships, worst advice ever about spiritual things uh, in their life. And and one of the things that we discovered that there's no shortage of of advice. Everybody's willing to give some. The key is trying to figure out what is good advice and what's bad advice. You know, last week we read some of these cards and, and some of them are very funny. Some of them are actually are quite serious. And some had some very uh, serious consequences with the advice that you were given and then you followed through on that advice. And this morning's message really is perfect for the part of the mission that we talk about connecting people to one another. Jesus actually, Jesus himself, his own words, he had a lot to say about relationships. In fact, one of the things that I've noticed about Jesus, every time he speaks, he seems to know exactly what he's talking about. Every time he speaks, you can count on it that it's going to be great advice. And in John chapter 13, Jesus says something that's so profound. It, it actually, it, it, kind of rocks our world. 
In fact, it still resonates with those of us who are living in 2018. But before I read those words, I want to give you a little bit of background on what's taking place in John chapter 13. Uh, it's, it's one of those evenings that there's an excitement in the air. You see, Jesus has just had his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. You know, that time when people are waving palm branches and they're saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's exciting. The disciples are high-fiving. Like, it's an incredible experience that they've just had. It's the Passover, and so Jesus and his disciples have gathered around the table to celebrate Passover, uh, the meal. But as exciting as that event was about the triumphal entry of Jesus, something is hanging in the air. You, you, you can't quite put your finger on it. You see, there's a lot of tension between these powerful religious rulers and Jesus and his disciples. So there, there's a little bit of tension in the air. And just before, just before they, they share the Passover meal, Jesus does something that shocks his own disciples. In fact, his own disciples say, I'm, no, 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 I'm not gonna participate in that. I won't do that. Jesus, that is below you. You see, Jesus had taken a pitcher of water, poured it in a basin, and he began to wash the feet of his disciples. Those tired, calloused, hot, sweaty, dirty, grungy, smelly, stinky feet of the disciples. And some disciples said, that is below you, Jesus. I can't let you do that. A couple years ago, I was part of a team that went to India. And it was a long trip. Halifax, New York, layover, 15 hours to New Delhi, get off that flight, another flight to Bang Bangalore, and, and then get on a, in a truck and, and head off to um, our host. And it took about 36, 36, 37 hours. We were exhausted, we were tired, we were smelly. And our host says, hey, I got a whole day planned for you. I'm like, we just arrived. How can you have it planned? So he says, I have three World Vision Villages I want to take you. So we went to three World vil uh, uh, Vision Villages. And then he says, there's an event tonight uh, that we've been invited to go to. A headmistress of a school would like us to come. It's, it's a, a school, he's, I don't know what it is, school play or musical or something. But they would like us to go. So we're like, wow, we're so tired. And uh, we said, okay, we'll go. And so we're out all day in the hot sun. I, I happen to have shorts on and a t-shirt and sandals, and most of us did. And so after all day sightseeing, we went to this school play. And as we arrived, we were caught off guard when we saw television cameras. And we arrived at this beautiful facility and I looked around and everybody, every man was in a suit or a tuxedo and everyone, everyone was in a beautiful sari. And here these foreign dignitaries have arrived. And I remember we were very embarrassed. We're like, oh my goodness, oh my word, how do we get out of here? Anyway, they were so kind to usher us down the aisle up onto the stage. And so we looked at about 600 people in tuxedos and beautiful saris, and there's us, 
smelly, stinky, trying to pat down our hair. And just before the program started, they had these children come out because we were considered honored guests. We had no idea. They came out, they gave us a gift, and they, they kissed our feet and thanked us for coming. And I remember going, no, I went, no, 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 not my feet. No, seriously, you could catch something today. Don't do that. I remember being very embarrassed by it. And then I thought, can you imagine Jesus? Imagine. Emmanuel, God with us, God becoming flesh and washing your feet. Hmm. Well, after Jesus had washed their feet, after he had shared the Passover meal, Jesus speaks up and he says, a new command I give you, love one another. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now help me out here. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you what? If you what? Yeah, love one another. It's interesting to know what Jesus said, but it's also interesting to know what he didn't say. Jesus did not say, everybody's going to know you're a follower of Jesus if you go to church every Sunday. Now, I think, it's, I think it's important to go to church. I think it, it feeds our soul. We get to connect with one another. But that's not what he said. Notice that Jesus didn't say, you know, everybody's going to know that you're a follower of mine if you have really good, solid theology. Now, I think theology is really important to know the things of God. But that's not what Jesus said. He says, everybody will know that you are one of my disciples by the way you love each other, by the way that you treat each other. This is how the world will know that you are a follower of Jesus. It seems like it's one of the first clues that somebody has that you're a follower of Jesus is by the way we love and treat each other. One of the things I'm learning more and more all the time is that we were created for connection. Connection balances our lives. I think when we live lives independently, it becomes very unbalanced because nobody can see everything clearly. We need each other. We are better together. And the more connection you have, the more perspective you have of what's going on around you. Interesting that this phrase, one another, it's used 58 times in the New Testament. Love one another, care for one another, support one another, encourage one another, greet one another, pray for one another. 58 times it's used over and over and over again. One another. You see, connection it gives us strength. It gives us emotional strength and, and uh, spiritual strength. And at times even, I think, physical strength. Listen, you can handle so much more in life when you know you're not alone. 
You can handle so much more stress when you know you're not on the journey by yourself. You can handle enormous amount of pain if you know you don't carry it on your own. When you're not alone. See, we were created and designed for connection. Because connection gives us strength. You know, never in the history of mankind has the world been more connected. I mean, because of technology and cell phones and internet and TV, we can know what happens on the other side of the world like that. We are so connected. And yet, and yet, we are more connected than ever before, but people are saying that they feel more disconnected than they ever have before. People are saying, I feel more lonely than ever before. You know, sometimes it's because we value individualism more than community. Sometimes it's because our, the, the pace of our life, it's just go, 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 go. And we have no time for relationships. Romans 12.5 says, even though we are many individuals, Christ made us one body and individuals who are connected to each other. See, church is not an event that you attend. It's a family that you belong to. I don't know if anyone's ever built their own home or maybe remodeled their home. And, and you're in there and you can see all kinds of parts. I mean, you see electrical wiring, you see, you know, you see plumbing pipes, you maybe see two by fours, you, you see all these things. But none of those things are useful unless they're connected. A couple weeks ago, I was at my sister's house, and we were in the kitchen sink, and all of a sudden, we could hear water flowing, and we looked underneath, and, and, the, and the plumbing pipes had disconnected. They were, they were useless because they were not connected. Yeah, the, the, the plumbing pieces were in the house, but they weren't part of the house. You know, you can be in the church, but not be part of the church. The difference between an attender and someone who is engaged, very different. In fact, I, you, you can easily tell people who are attenders and who are just engaged, or who are engaged. You know, I go to church, I mean, I go to a store, somebody might say to me, hey, Donald, I really like your church. Hmm, that's an attender. When someone comes up and says, I love our church. That's someone who's engaged. Big difference. We are connected so we can hold each other up. I mean, one of the benefits of, of being connected here at church, it's stability and support. Because we were not created to do life on our own. We're not. And we receive strength and support and stability. We believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for our salvation. We belong to a family for strength and support. In your lifetime, in your lifetime, you will need spiritual support. In your lifetime, you will need emotional support. In your lifetime, you will need some mental support. 
in your lifetime, you will need physical support. And that's why here at, at Temple, we're always encouraging and challenging and, and pushing people to, to get involved in a small group. Get anchored with people. Kids need people in their lives. Teens need it. And adults, we need it. Now, I'm the first one who's going to be a proponent of technology. I love technology. I don't know how to use most of it, but I love the advancement of technology. I love what it can do for us. I love the convenience of technology. I love that today, though lots of people can't be here because of snow, they can join us. Get right on their computer and see what's happening here. Technology is a wonderful thing, but you know what? It has a downside, too. It has a downside. Let me explain. One of the downsides with technology is the term friend. It's changing. See, it used to be when you said, hey, I have a friend, that means you had someone that you did life with. You had somebody that came alongside you when life got tough. But now friends can be someone who you have never met, but they follow you on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. They like what you post and they send a request, can I be your friend? The definition of friend is changing. You know, the average Facebook user has about 350 friends and yet the average Canadian says they only have two which is down from six just 20 years ago. In fact, 25% of Canadians say they have zero close friends. Yeah, I might have 300, 400, 500 Facebook friends, but no close friends. And we can argue that all day. Well, I have hundreds and hundreds of friends online, but not have one close friend where deep sharing can take place. The term friend is, is changing. Technology also has created a hunger and a thirst for immediate affirmation. You know, if I'm feeling a little bit uh, lonely and I need a little bit of affirmation, you know what I can do? I can get my phone out. Let's get out here. I can go to camera. And take that picture and go, oh, no, that's not that good. I think I'll change it. Hey, you know what I'm going to do? Let's even do it better. I'm going to have hundreds of people behind me. <laughs> and I post that. You know what? Within a couple minutes, probably somebody will say, oh, hey, that's cool. Where, you, well, where were you? Were you in church? Hey, I, I, I like that sport coat you have on. Hey, you know, comments. We crave for immediate response, and when we don't get it, we go crazy. You know, we post something, we go, why, why is it more people like that picture that I just posted? This is ridiculous. I just noticed she did not like my post. 
And if she does not start liking my post, I will not like her post. Right? If he doesn't like my stuff that I post, I'm, well, I won't comment on his stuff either. It's meeting a short-term need, but we are deferring a deeper and longer need. It's called deferred loneliness. We feel lonely, so we post something. We say something, so we can get an immediate feedback. But it's just a short-term fix. It defers a longer and deeper need for intimacy. We settle for likes instead of love. The word friend is changing. And, and we have this hunger, this deep desire to have immediate feedback. The other thing that technology does that I think is a downfall is that it gives us the power to do friendships on our own terms. You know, if Pastor Dave was to text me and I opened it up, you know what I could do? I could respond, I could ignore it, or I'll deal with it later. So you understand, like I, I have the ability, I'm in control of what I'm going to do with this friendship. You know, Pastor James, most of you know, Pastor James is a great photographer. He, he posts a lot of spectacular wildlife photos. I have the ability to look at his photo and decide I'm, whether I'm going to use my thumb and say, I like it. Or if it's even worthy of a my emoji. <laughs> or maybe I'll just pass by. You know, one of my friends posts something that I don't like. I have the power to unfriend you. You are no longer my friend. It's a lot of power I have. And I manage friendships from a distance. I can tell you what I want to tell you. I can keep things from you that I don't want to share with you. I heard some college students say, the more that I use social media, the more I crave for social interaction. Another college student said, I feel more connected than I've ever before, and yet I feel more alone than ever before. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, it says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Can you imagine if a small group or, or a few of your friends got together over coffee and said, hey, how can we motivate ourselves towards acts of love and good works so that people would know that we're a follower of Jesus? It goes on to say, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect commenting on my Facebook page. No. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do 
but continue to encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Some of us need to rediscover the power of presence. Let us not neglect the meeting together with other people. Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered, there will I be in your midst. Whenever we come together as believers in Jesus, we experience something, the real presence of Christ in a supernatural way. Does that mean that you can't experience the presence of Christ when you're by yourself? Of course not. But there is something very unique, very special when God's people gather together, when believers gather together. I mean, I can pray on my own, and it's wonderful. I come here on a Wednesday night and pray with a group of people, and it's unbelievable. The experience, something powerful. When we come together on a Sunday morning and we all lift up our voices together, something very powerful about that when we worship. There is this experience that takes place when we come together. That's the power of presence. I think of it this way. Can you imagine if, if Jesus had just yelled down from heaven, I love you down there. I love you all. I have a plan for you all. But no. He became flesh in the person of Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. He lived with us. He loved those who rejected. He poured out love to those who were considered the outcast. He ate <laughs> with the tax collector. He engaged in conversation with the prostitutes. He walked with the sinners. He did not shout his love. He showed us his love with his presence. Now let me just be practical. I want to encourage you to practice presence with one another. See, there's something very different when we practice face-to-face -face presence versus just thumb-to-thumb. -thumb. Something very different. It's, it's very, very unique. Don't just pretend that we love each other. I want to encourage you to experience presence with others. In fact, in Romans 12, 9, it says, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. I mean, let's suppose one of your friends calls you and says, I just broke up with my girlfriend. Or, or one of your friends calls I just lost my job. Or one of your friends calls us, my wife just left me. Or someone calls you and says, I just discovered our child has a terminal illness. When you receive something like that, perhaps an acceptable way, right, to let them know is we get our phone and we quickly would text somebody and say, hey, I, I just heard the news and uh, you're on my mind and, and, and I'm praying for you. I mean, that, that's an acceptable way. Right, it's great that we can do that. But what about if we stepped it up a notch? What about instead of just texting, because you know, also this is, it's amazing, but this also is used for calling. 
what about if we called someone and said, I just heard. I, I, I just heard what, what's happened. You get to hear the tone of their voice. You get to ask, how you doing? You get to do more than just pray for them. You get to pray with them. But what about if we took it up another notch? More than maybe just sending a text, which is good. More than just making a phone call, which is great. What would it be like if we got in our car, jumped on a bus, rode our bike, and went to see them face-to-face? Spending time with them, putting your hand on their shoulder, wrapping your arms around them when they're crying. Can we agree that there is something powerful about presence? And I've learned that in multiple, multiple ways. I, I can remember one particular time. I was at church. It was, it was pretty late at night. Uh, maybe it was 1030, and I've been there all day, and I was tired. And, and, and my house was 20 minutes in this direction, and the hospital was 20 minutes in that direction. And I knew that there was somebody from the church at the hospital. And I thought, oh, oh I can just go tomorrow. And I looked and I said, well, I don't know. I'll just pop over. Maybe see if somebody's there. And so I, I, I drove to the hospital. I could have sent them a text. Because, hey, just thinking about you guys, praying for you. Let me know if there's anything I can do. Which is great. I mean, it's great. But I remember I, I, I made the trip over. I mean, who's going to be there at midnight? And there was this man who I actually didn't know very well. I knew his wife. She came to church, and her husband was there off and on. And uh, I went in there, and I discovered, wow, his wife was not doing well at all. I, I didn't know it was that bad. And I remember walking into the room, and, and we chatted. And then I prayed, and, and I didn't even know how to pray. To the truth, I'm like, oh, my goodness, his wife is dying. <laughs> I don't even know what, I don't even have the right words to say. I mean, this man's 30 years older than me, and, and something happened in that moment. It's like, it's almost like we became best friends, as he just unloaded. I'll never forget that visit. Yeah, it took a few extra minutes to stop by and not just pray for him, but to actually pray with him. And like I said, I, I didn't really know him that well. But from that moment, a friendship started. The power of presence, even when you don't know what to say. And he wrote me a letter. It, it blew me out of the water. I felt like I, I, I really didn't feel like I knew him that well. But there was something about going and visiting him. And he says, I just thank you for praying with me. Thank you for coming. Thank you for hugging me. Thank you for helping me carry this burden. See, you can say the perfect words in a text. I mean, that's great. But you can practice the power of presence, and it's a game changer. Something very powerful when you're with someone. God is a relational God. And he's created us to love him and to love one another. We can love each other from a distance with technology, but we can do so much more, I think, face to face. So go out to lunch with somebody. Take them with the coffee. Sit on the other side and listen. 
to what's happening. You know, I think some of you feel like you're missing something in your spiritual life. I think some of you're missing the joy and the blessing of Christian community, being connected with each other, opening up God's word, studying together, doing life together. And yes, it does get messy. But I'm telling you, the risk is worth the reward. We have small groups throughout this whole church that meet, do life together. I love my small group. (laughs) Do we all think alike? No. Are we all different? Yes. Do I wish they all thought like me? Yes. (laughs) But does anybody? No. And I love it. And I love it. We believe life is better when you do it together. And then I also want to point out not just being present, but being engaged when you are present. 1 Peter 4, 8 says, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. I think all of us have probably have seen this scene. Maybe you have even acted out this scene. You go to this nice restaurant and you see that family of five over there and everybody's on their phone. The small kids are watching their video, teens are texting their friends, dad's checking the stocks, mom's on Pinterest, alone together. One of my friends last week posted a picture of family night and what she had done She collected her husband's phone, she put her phone, her college son's phone, her high school kid's phone, the kid's phone, and she put it in, it looked like a birdcage with a lock on it and locked it up. And we said, this is family night. Can you imagine if you and I were in a conversation? Imagine if I, um, I, I invited you out for coffee or out for a hamburger, okay? And uh, you and I are, you know, we're chatting, we're sitting at the table, and, and you're talking, and, and uh, all of a sudden I get out my backpack, and I get out, like, you're talking, and, and I get out my book, and I, oh, I remember I, I ended on page 58, and I just start reading my book. You'd be like, what? And then I put my book back in my backpack, and I start talking again, right? And I'm like, oh, you're talking, and I, Pull up my to-do list. Get milk and bread. Upgrade my cable. You put it back in. Oh, keep on talking. No, it's good. It's good. No, I'm listening. I'm a multitasker. Cool. And you're talking. And then you just get up and walk away. Because you see someone over here. Hey, you're talking. You're chatting. Oh, you're laughing. And then you, you walk back into the conversation. You sit beside them. You, People would say, what is wrong with you? <laughs> well, sometimes what it's like, isn't it, with this? When we're with somebody face to face, somebody that matters to us, Be engaged. Be engaged. Be engaged with one another. I know 
I know this whistles and buzz and alarms go off and you're like, I gotta find out what they said. I might miss something. You run to it. I know. I have it sometimes on my nightstand and it buzzes at two in the morning. Somebody wants to talk to me and and I'll wake up and start looking. It's crazy. (laughs) I'm saying, put the phone down during conversations, during mealtime. Put it away during small group. Be engaged with one another. 1 John 3.18 says, Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions, loving one another, praying for one another, encouraging one another. You see, in the first century Christians, so many of them um, were persecuted. They needed each other. It was their lifeline to be with each other, to pray with each other. Get involved with one another. Live in such a way that people will ask, I just notice how you treat people. I, I, I notice how you love people. Why? Why do you do that? Giving you the opportunity to say, because I found something in Jesus that I was desperately looking for. And I found freedom from my sin. And I found forgiveness for my sin. And this is simply an outpouring of what God has done for me. I don't want to be a slave to a screen. I want to be a lover of people. Yes, technology is a wonderful thing. And we will leverage it for all that it's worth. But let's not have it master us. God showed us he loved us by coming to earth and being among us. That's Emmanuel. That's God with us. If this is a problem for you, ask God for some wisdom. Ask God, how how can I fix this? I I, want to be more engaged. Because the fact is, life is better together. And that's why we say our big mission around here is connecting people to Jesus, which is a game changer, and it's connecting people to one another because we know life is better together. That's the words right from Jesus. Let's pray. With our heads bowed, our eyes closed, I... Why are we drawn into things that really don't matter so much? Why is that? I think the reality is so many people are looking for something. We have a void in our life and we just want to fill it, satisfy it with something. 
then we can have an unlimited amount of stuff and still feel empty. Why? Because we were not created by God for stuff. We were created by God for God. And the challenge is we are so often living a life that is self-centered because we're sinners by nature. And God wants what is best for us. That's why God created us for what is best for him. God created us to live for God. But our, our natures just want us to live for ourselves. What's so beautiful is that God became flesh. And that's Jesus. One without sin, but became sin for us. Died on the cross for everyone, including you. The Bible says whoever will call upon his name will be saved. Every sin you've ever committed in your life, forgiven. Every sin washed away and made brand new. You're searching for something. You're here this morning. You got a void. I know what you're searching for. You long to have a relationship. That's what we were created for. We long to have a relationship with God through Jesus. I'm telling you, nothing else satisfies. And that's why some of you are here this morning. You sense it. You know that there's got to be more to this life than what you have. And today, by faith, it is time for you to call upon him and say, yes, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Yes, Jesus, I give my life to you. This may be your moment this morning where your life is changed forever because of what Jesus has done for you. Father, we thank you for our time this morning. We thank you for the words of Jesus that says love one another. And Lord, I think if we're all honest, we know that's not always easy. And we know sometimes it gets messy when we do. But Lord, it just has proven itself to be true over and over again. The risk is worth the reward because we are better together. Better together. Lord, these aren't just mere man's word. They're your words. We were designed for connection. Connection with you and a connection with one another. Help us to live out those truths starting afresh and anew this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.